I was originally going to have a little more history for this band episode, but this band in particular had a pretty simple origin story compared to others, and according to the research that's available, aka the amount of research I was able to do the night before this episode. <laughs> so according to Radio X, this band in particular started with two guitarists, Joe Langridge Brown and Connor Mason, who also does vocals, meeting at school and I believe starting the band there. Following that, you've got Dominic Craig on guitar and keyboards, who met Joe through an X, funny enough. You've got Philip Blake on bass, who is amazing, and also Dominic Craig's cousin. And then you've got their drummer, James Price. And straight from Essex, there is an apparent story for how this band got their name. It allegedly came from a quote from the philosopher Voltaire who said, Don't be impressionable. Your religious leaders are nothing but mega-thieves. And if you've listened to the band's later albums, especially Moral Panic and Dead Club City, you'll see that the quote seeped into not just their band name, but in every aspect of their theme and sound. That and the influence of musicians and bands like Radiohead, Jeff Buckley, and Foo Fighters. All that to say, if you're like me, this band is a no-brainer. Borealis Entertainment presents Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home A podcast and a memoir by M.K. Lott Chapter 29 Nothing But Thieves I don't remember if it was the same night that I told my mom that Andy Fletcher died, but it is very, very possible it was the same trip when we went inside from talking in the backyard, and she asked me, Have you heard of these guys? I think you'd really like them. She put on their self-titled album, starting with the track If I Get High, and I was immediately hooked. To this day, If I Get High is still one of my favorite songs by them. And now that I know about their influences, I can tell immediately where they put them. You've got Connor's vocals having that very soft, very high, very clear hitting of insanely high notes, very much like Jeff Buckley. You've got the moody atmosphere of kids that listen to Tom York. And you've also got tracks that are very upbeat and rock and roll based, like a band that you would hear on a playlist with Foo Fighters in it. And I do have to say, it was a brilliant recommendation. I sucked in everything they had to offer. Like, not just their title album, but Broken Machine, still probably my favorite album by them. Moral Panic, even the single they made for a Gran Turismo game called, I think it's called Life's Coming In Slow. It was a band that felt like it hit the marks of everything you'd want in a rock band but still had that special something that you don't see in any other way with any other band. But I guess that just means you found a good one that really hit home, right? And Nothing But Thieves was exciting because it was the first band I ever had that I had kept up on where they were going and what new thing was coming out by them. Sure, I'm that way with Depeche Mode, but DM was a legacy band for me. Nothing But Thieves was the up-and-comer for me because of how little albums they had, relatively speaking. They started in 2015, so it was almost exciting to think, if this is what they're doing now, then I can't wait to see what they're going to do next. Right? 
Depeche Mode is great because I know what to expect. Bands like Nothing But Thieves are great because I don't know what to expect as much. When I discovered them, they still had yet to go through their eras, like Depeche Mode did. But now I say that I think we're kind of catching them in their dystopia era, which is an awesome sound. And at this point, and I'm pretty sure you can guess by the episodes, Depeche Mode and Nothing But Thieves easily became my bucket list concerts. Now, granted, I'm sure there will be other bucket list concerts I have. Florence and the Machine and Billie Eilish are the first two that come to mind. But these were really the first two bands that I ever enjoyed enough to want to see before I died. Now, I bring this up because I really want to drive home the idea of if you want something hard enough, you'll figure out and the universe or whoever you believe in will figure out how to help you to do it and or get it. And that's an important thing to take note of, at least for me, especially when times get tough. We as human beings have an incredible knack for figuring out how to get things done when it has enough value and meaning to us. And sometimes that also includes relying on a little bit of synchronicity. You see, in light of COVID, Nothing But Thieves wasn't really planning on making it to America anytime soon, which I understand. You don't want to spread anything, especially with how COVID affects your vocal cords. And man, I, I, I could only imagine how painful that would be for Connor. But it didn't stop me from thinking that I might want to get a passport and start saving up to make it to the UK. Then they came out with their single, Welcome to the DCC. I don't know why it felt a little more disco, but it was an awesome blend of a new sound with the familiar themes and melodies that I came to know and love from Nothing But Thieves, which meant, hopefully, one thing. If they came out with a single, that surely must mean that they're promoting a new album coming out. And a new album surely must mean that they're alluding to a new tour. And almost like clockwork, they were. They were beginning their Dead Club City tour, and for the first time since the pandemic, they were touring in America. And again, just like Depeche Mode, they were touring in Vegas, this time at the House of Blues. And again, like Depeche Mode, they were also performing on a Tuesday. What is it with bands playing in Las Vegas on a Tuesday? I don't get it. You either play on a Tuesday or you have Vegas residence. I feel like there's no middle ground, or at least according to my luck. So in between cold calls and meetings with warm leads at my job, I texted the family a screenshot of the tour dates and followed up with, anybody interested? Turns out they were, because tickets were purchased for the four of us, and the only thing that was asked on my end was to figure out how to get there. And since I had about four or five months to prep by the time I saw the announcement, this was a surefire trip. Which I have to admit just became even more inevitable because by the time that the concert came around, I was in mid-job hunt due to the layoff that I had talked about in previous episodes. So as much as I wish circumstances were different, I had all the time in the world. We started the night with a good old dinner at King's, enjoying the likes of top quality seafood and New York Sours, my favorite cocktail, 
I don't know why, but it turns out that's actually a great combination. And then from there, we headed straight from dinner to the House of Blues, hidden perfectly in a casino while we walked off the food. And in the very back of the slot machines was a massive line, barricaded by bouncers checking IDs and acknowledging the merch shop right by the entrance. We descended down the stairs that aren't as steep as the T-Mobile Arena, thank God, but definitely still keeping up with Vegas's apparent standard of sheer drop steps, more or less. And I looked around the venue, not realizing that I had actually been there before. I was actually there as a kid, being one of the cameramen for a live performance from Panic! at the Disco. And it was weird to have that memory flood back to me and coming back to it for a new reason. That, and I just hadn't been there in close to 15 years. The engineering booth was right in the midst of the VIP tables, with the rest of the audience sardined into the front lines and the side boxes, including me and my family, who found the spots that we settled into right along the stairs, because that's all we were able to get. Everybody got settled, and pretty soon, since we got there near the end of the opener, nothing but thieves showed up and put their sound on full blast, starting with Welcome to the DCC. Which I'm glad, because with where my sister and I were standing, we needed it. My family is not filled with the tallest people on the planet. We will definitely be the first to admit that. And we get reminded of that at least a couple of times a day. And that day, we were about a row or two of people away from hugging the back wall. And since we were right at the bottom of the stairs, we got to see everybody and their dog moving to and from their own respective spots. Which is interesting because when you are around that much people, they suddenly become the subject of the concert and not the people performing the concert, if you're not careful. You got some randos here and there, like the chick who apparently read the set list before... Um, sitting down because she kept screaming every song that she wanted to have played and then they would play it immediately afterwards so I'm sure she felt like royalty <laughs> you got uh, the guy who slipped on his own beard down the stairs well we all just kind of watched him unsure whether or not we should do something but he while still making eye contact with everybody got up without a word and pretended nothing ever happened then there was a film crew of about three or four people, and I say film crew, but it was more like a guy with a phone on his selfie stick who just traveled in a pack. He probably passed in front of me and my sister maybe five or six times with his dreadlocks bombarding my face every other trip. Then there was a couple who straight up made me try really hard not to turn this into a Karen on Yelp session, but they just straight up decided to stand right in front of me and my sister. We looked at each other, obviously pissed, but decided it wasn't worth saying anything and we just leaned over to see the band, wherever they weren't leaned over, pretty much. However, that did not stop the woman behind us donning a rock and silver faux hawk and red glasses coming up to them and saying, are you just going to stand there again the way of everybody, or are you going to move? 
without even a hint of retaliation. They just got up and swarmed further into the crowd. And I figured I didn't want to get into the line of fire myself, so I just started to, you know, nudge a little bit to make sure that she had a good view. Because I may be short, but that's one less angry drunk person to worry about, you know? But she gently patted me on the shoulder and leaned in with a smile saying, Oh, don't worry about making room for me. You guys were already here. And then there was the man in the sky blue polo. Right in front of us was this group of three or four older guys huddled right in front of us. And so my sister and I almost had to time our swing with their swing. Because if the timing was off, they were close enough to our height where we could see the stage, but then it would get covered up by whatever hair they had left. So I guess they still had a pretty fair amount of hair left. And one of them, the aforementioned man in the sky blue polo, had to leave the crowd, I would imagine, to use the bathroom with how much he was drinking, but he wouldn't say anything. Like, not even mumble anything. He just kind of held up his arm like he was flexing his bicep, and then he would hold his hand out perfectly straight towards where he was going with the face that I would imagine without the music going on sounded like, mm-hmm. So I just, I let him pass and I just started laughing with my stepdad once he was, you know, out of sight at just how awkward and uncomfortable the interaction was when I just wanted to see a band play in the States since before COVID. And by the time he got back, I pretty much got the routine of concert etiquette down. And I moved out of the way before he was halfway down the stairs, and he thanked me, I guess, by putting his hand on my shoulder. He was very delicate. He put his hand on my shoulder, looked at me straight in the eyes, like the eye contact was so intense, I think he caught some of my soul. And he gave me a look that made me think, like, he was saying, like, mm-hmm. But I can assure myself that that was the end of, of the story of me and him. Which makes me think that when he's sober, he just might be a very different man. And I say all this not to bash on the people of Vegas. Well, I mean, for some of them, maybe. But to also say that even though that was my experience of one of my bucket list concerts, it was still a fun concert. Nothing But Thieves are great showmen. Connor Mason is amazing live. Like, better than his recorded sound. And, you know, he's also got one of those voices where me and my sister just kind of looked at each other and we went, oh, he has an accent. You know, and he would play along with the crowd. I think he was asking if somebody was from London and somebody said something that just made him go, oh, fuck off. You know, just playing around with everybody, making sure everybody had a good time. And I think my favorite part of the showmanship of not just Connor Mason, but the entire band was when they were playing this song called Future Proof. And in between, I want to say after the bridge, like just before the last chorus, or no, yeah, the last chorus, um, there's a dead silence. Like it's not, like they just clip the audio. Like, there's no ambience, there's no additional background instruments or, you know, cut recordings on the mic. It's just dead silence. And they use that opportunity to just stop playing, 
They stopped. Connor took a drink of water. And then, he, you know, and then he's just like, what? You, you want us to keep going with the song? All right, then. And they just kept playing. And they just feel the energy. And it was awesome. And plus, let's be honest. The extra weirdos that were there or that could have easily ruined the entire experience if I let them were just that. They were just part of the experience. You can't get moments like that listening to your favorite bands in a car or walking from your car to the office. It's just moments like that that make those experiences more fun. At least once you're out of the moment and you don't have to worry about concentrating on the music while there's traffic. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home. I hope this episode leaves you better than it found you, and if you have any bucket list concerts, I hope that this inspires you to go after those as well. Now, we are officially on our home stretch, which is pretty exciting and pretty weird to think about, but I'll see you guys next week for one more time. And until then, thank you as always, and per usual, you know the drill by now. Here's to finding your way.